Welcome to God Mode, Living Life Undefeated. Join us each week as Pastor Chris delivers a message to encourage, challenge, and empower you to live life in God Mode. All messages can be listened to at www.godmode.life. Let's join today's message. Hey, everybody, welcome to God Mode, where I'm really hoping that I'm going to encourage you, challenge you, and empower you to live a life undefeated. You know, each week we're coming with just different messages, and thank you so much for all of you that have been listening. Thank you for those who listen in Venezuela, I mean, India, all over 60 nations now are listening to God Mode, and then again throughout the United States. Welcome to those of you in New York, Florida, Washington. Thank you so much for tuning in. You know, I want to start a new kind of a series, a new talk called Christian Atheist. You may say, what in the world is a Christian atheist? Well, we know what an atheist is, right? It's a person that does not believe in God. So an atheist is going to live like there is no God. What is a Christian atheist? A Christian atheist is someone who believes in God, but lives like God does not exist. Someone who believes in God, but yet lives like God doesn't exist. It's those who believe in God, but do not know him personally. And today we're going to talk about a very serious subject, and we're going to talk about those who believe in God, but do not fear him. They believe in God, but they do not fear him. Let's be honest. Studies show that three out of four Americans believe in God. But if you look at the way people actually live, you would have to say three out of four people, at least in my country, don't live with a reverent fear of God. Their actions show that they don't actually fear Him. We believe in God, but we don't know Him. Today for this talk, I want to call it Customized Christianity. We believe in God, but we're going to take the parts of God that we like and reject the rest because we really don't fear God. We're going to customize Christianity. For example, for those of you who may be around my age or perhaps a little bit older, when I was growing up, we really had three choices of ice cream. How many of you remember? Chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. I mean, glory to God on high. Three was like the Trinity. It was there. It was enough. It was very blessed. Three different types. And we thought that that was good as it can get until Baskin Robbins came and totally blew up the holy Trinity of ice cream. And Baskin Robbins stunned the world with not three, but 31 different flavors of ice cream. How many of you remember when that happened? I mean, you could go in and get the little pink spoon and get a little free dips, and you could try 31 different spoonfuls and basically walk away totally satisfied. Suddenly, we didn't have three choices. We had 31 different options, 31 things to choose from. And culture started moving to a customized sampling we could get and really choose what we want. Nowadays, you can customize about anything, right? I mean, certain shoe brands will let you customize your shoes. 
Those are killer customized kits you're wearing there. I mean, you could customize your toilet paper. You could get a customized bobblehead. That's right. You can have your very own bobblehead with your head bobbling on it if you want to pay the money for your own customized bobblehead. You could even customize a potential boyfriend or a girlfriend at Match.com. I would like a boyfriend who's romantic, who travels, who loves old movies, who writes poetry while serving meals to the poor by candlelight on horseback. I want him blonde 6'1 and 175 pounds, and I want him by Friday. You can really just customize just about everything. In fact, restaurants have really taken this to an art form. You know, where I live, and, and in other certain parts of the country, there's a restaurant known as Sonic. And that they're known for their ice and their slushies and such. Sonic's, believe it or not, has not different combination of drinks, but really over 3.5 million different variations of drinks. I mean, really, that's a lot of slushies, and that's a lot of going to the bathroom if you're going to try and enjoy Sonic. Starbucks. I mean, you're the king of coffee. You can get it any way you want it. You demand it. I want it customized. I want a grande soy half-calf vanilla latte extra hot with caramel drizzle and a light whip. Now, please, and I want it exactly this way. Because of this and other reasons, I believe people are moving to what I call customized versions of Christianity. God created us in his image, and we're going to return the favor and create God in our own image. I'll take the love of God, but I don't want his wrath. I want the mercy of God, but I don't want to do without his, yeah, I can really do without his judgment. I want his blessings in my, my, my life. But that whole take up your cross and follow Jesus stuff, that's just not for me. There are parts of the Bible that I really like and love and embrace and want to hear about and read about. But there are other parts that, since I'm the king and I get to choose, I don't really want to apply those to my life. I love the part about God has a plan for my life, and he wants to bless me and wants to prosper me, and he's not going to harm me and gives me hope for the future. But that whole thing about sexual purity, that's so outdated. Who does that nowadays anyway? I love a God that works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I like that kind of God. But the God who tells me I should manage my resources for his glory and be generous, I'd rather keep that for myself. I love the God that says he's going to bless me in my comings and bless me in my coming out. But the weekends, they're mine. Nobody tells me what to do on the weekend. It's a customized Christianity. It's people who believe in God, but we do not fear him. We believe in God, but we don't fear him. Psalm 36 verses 1 and 2, David was actually writing about the sinfulness of mankind. In fact, if you know his story, he would eventually recognize just how sinful indeed he was as well. This is what he said. He said, sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have, what do they have? They have no fear of God. To do what? To restrain them. I mean, listen to this. They have no fear of God to restrain them. In their blind conceit, he said, they cannot see how wicked they really are. They have no fear of God to restrain them. And their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. Sin whispers 
to the wicked. What do you think sin says? Sin probably whispers, hey, go ahead, do whatever you want. It's your life. It's not a big of a deal. Don't take that God stuff so seriously. It's your body. You can do with it what you want with it. Don't let them judge you. Don't let them impose their values on you. You do whatever you want. Hey, it's not going to hurt anybody anyway. Sin whispers to the wicked. You can believe in God, but don't take him too seriously. They have no fear of the God to restrain them, to change them, to conform them into the image of Jesus. Therefore, they do whatever they want. They have no fear of God to restrain them. David said in their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. I want to ask you this question. What if this verse is talking about us? I would ask myself, what if this verse is talking about me? What if this verse is talking really about the majority of us in the way that we have customized our own version of Christianity? What if we are blind to our own self-centeredness? What if we really don't have an honest, true, reverent fear of God to restrain us? What if we cannot see how wicked we really are? What if we believe in God, but we don't really fear him? Now, I just want to acknowledge that talking about the fear of God is really tricky. And I've been very prayerful and, and I want to be very careful about this. Here's kind of my opinion, and I want to tell you why we need to be careful. I would say that years ago, the pendulum swung over to one side where basically, and some of you, you'll remember this, churches were known for fire and brimstone. You're going to hell, and I'm going to put the fear of God in you. The pendulum was kind of way over this way. Then really in more recent years, I would say that the pendulum kind of swung over here, which is, okay, uh, uh, let's not do that. Let's, let's mean God. I mean, that's, that's really mean God. God is loving. He's kind. And you can do whatever you want. He's going to love you anyway. We need to be really careful because the justice of God is true, but it's incomplete. The grace of God is true, but it's incomplete. When Jesus came, he was full of grace and truth. When we talk about this, we need to be very careful not to move into legalism where you have to do this or God won't love you. At the same time, we have to be very careful that we don't move into what is known as license, which God loves you, do whatever you want. We need to understand his love and yet live in a very reverent fear of God. How do we balance the tension in a way that is going to bring us to a healthy place with God? What is the fear of God? I would say it very simply, and if you're taking notes, and again, this is incomplete. This isn't the perfect formula to talk about it, but it's my attempt to help you move the ball forward and understand what it means to truly live with a reverent fear. Not like, oh, God's going to get me, but a holy, loving, reverent fear of God. What does that look like? And if you're taking notes, I would describe it like this. I would say that a loving God plus respecting God equals fearing God. 
I mean, think of that. Let's say that again. Wherever you're at, man, I don't care where you're at. Say it with me. A loving God plus respecting God equals fearing God. I mean, you got to get this. Say it again to yourself. A loving God plus respecting God equals fearing God. But let me unpack that for you so you'll understand and try to put it in an easy way, in a human way to understand. Now you take God. We love him because of who he is, because he first loved us while we were sinners. He loved us. We didn't deserve it. He loved us. It's not just what he does. It's who he is. And because of that, we love him in return. It's our only reasonable response is to say with all my heart, God, I love you, but I respect and honor that you are a holy God. I love you as a heavenly father, but I respect you as a consuming fire. I love you as a God who is full of grace, but I respect that you are also a righteous judge. I love you and desire to have a relationship with you, but I respect that your ways are higher than my ways and your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. You may ask me to do some things that are not comfortable to me, but because I love you and because I respect you, then I want to fear and honor you with obedience in everything that I do. Tragically, in the world today, we talk about fearing God going, oh, I I don't want to serve a God I got to be afraid of and fear God. Isn't he supposed to be loving? Yes, he is loving. To fear God is not a bad thing. It's a righteous thing. It's a beautiful thing filled with promise and blessing. In fact, when you look at the fear of God just in Proverbs, you see promise after promise after promise of how God says the fear of the Lord leads to blessing and goodness. In fact, let me just read to you three of them. Proverbs 9.10 says, Fear the Lord is the beginning of of wisdom. In other words, where does wisdom start? It starts by loving and respecting God. That's where wisdom starts. You want to be wise and make a difference and make good decision? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 14:27. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of life. I mean, it's imagine it gushing out, turning a person from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord is life. It takes you out of that which destroys you and brings you into the blessings that God has for you. The next verse, Proverbs 22, 4, says true humility and what? Fear of the Lord leads to what? It leads to riches and to honor and a long life. The fear of God is not something that we run from and say, oh my gosh, this is bad. It's what we step into. God, I love you, and you've given me access to you because of Jesus. So I can enter boldly before your throne of grace and petition you with what I need. You created me to be uh, in a loving relationship with you. Therefore, God, I long to know you, but I respect in honor, in awe of who you are, of the God of the universe, and that you gave me a right to a relationship which I did not deserve. The fear of the Lord, what is it? It's a good thing that leads to blessings. It's love plus respect. 
equals the fear of God. Here's the thing. When I fear God, I will obey God. When I fear him, I will obey him. In fact, in my opinion, one of the greatest stories in all of scripture about the fear of God is found in Genesis chapter 22. This story to me to this day is hard for me to get my human mind around. I mean, when God asked Abraham, who, whose greatest desire was to have a son, you know, God, give me a son, give me a son. And for a decade after decade after decade after decade, he waits on his son. And finally, he has a son, Isaac. Isaac's growing up and a young man. And then God asked him, Abraham, go and sacrifice the son that you love, your only son. Abraham, because he loves God, because he respects God, he fears God. And because he fears God, he obeys God. He takes his son up to a mountain, fastens his son to an altar, takes a knife, lifts it above the son that he loves with all of his heart, the objects of his prayers, the greatest human desire that he has, and he prepares to obey God. When an angel of the Lord mercifully stays the hand of Abraham, and the angel of the Lord says to him this, do not lay a hand on this boy. He said, don't do anything to him. Now, I know that you, I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Now, I know you love God and you respect God. And now I know you fear God. In fact, if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down. The greatest evidence of the fear of God is complete obedience to God. The greatest evidence of the fear of God is complete obedience to God. It's not partial obedience. I'll kind of do what you lead me to do. I mean, it's not delayed obedience. I'll do it when I get around to it. It's quick, immediate, and cheerful yes. God, I trust you. Therefore, I will do what you have called me to do. The greatest evidence of the fear of God is complete obedience to God. I'll explain it to you this way. I read a quote from this pastor and I I adapted this quote and I'll put it this way. And this is how I would describe it. I would say this. This is my version of his quote. The fear of the Lord is an ongoing attitude of my heart that moves me to choose over and over again to obey God when it would be easier to do something else. What is the fear of God? It's an ongoing, not just an immediate, but instantaneous. It's an ongoing attitude of my heart. The posture of my heart surrendered to God that moves me to choose over and over again to obey God when it would be easier to do something else. I'm not talking about customized Christianity. I'll take this part of God and not this part of God. I'm talking about fully submitted, fully surrendered devotion to the Lord of life, Jesus. I want to honor you. It's not about my will. It's about your will. Because I love you, because I respect you, therefore I fear you with a reverent awe and fear. Because I fear the Lord, I want to obey the Lord. Tragically, today we see so much of the opposite. It's the customized version of Christianity. I'll serve you, God, but I'm going to sleep with my boyfriend or my girlfriend 
right? I see it all the time. I believe in you, but I'm not going to stop watching porn. It's just kind of how I deal with the issues, and that's what I'm going to do. I'll follow you, but I'm never going to tithe. This is my money, and I don't care. I'm not surrendering that area of my life. I'll say the whole prayer thing, and I'll go to church every now and then, but I'm not going to surrender every area of my life. That is absolutely ridiculous to ever ask me to do. In other words, I believe in God, but I do not fear Him. This is a modern-day tragedy that is passing off for Christianity. When in reality, it is something very far from truly following Christ. Again, I don't want the pendulum to swing to legalism. And at the same time, I don't want to move it over to license. Do whatever you want. I want to say because of his goodness, I want to serve him with my whole heart. Because of the grace of Jesus, my only reasonable response is to love him as the heavenly father but to respect him as the Lord of creation. Therefore, I fear him. And because I fear him, I want to obey him. All of of this to the point of application. Every message that I do, I want to bring it to what seminary professors used to call, so what? If you don't have a so what, then why are you even preaching? This is the so what. This is where you take what God is showing you and hopefully bring it to some sort of spiritual application led by the Spirit of God. This is the so what. The question I want to ask you is this. In what area of your life are you not fearing and not obeying God? In what area of your life are you not fearing and not obeying God? Then the question of application is, what are you going to do about it? If you say nothing, then let's just call it what it is. You might believe in God, but you do not fear him. I believe with all my heart that God is going to work in your heart, and I want you to love him. And deep down, when you think about who he is, you do respect him. Because you love him and you respect him, you will fear him. Because you fear him, you want to obey him. I don't know what this is going to look like. I mean, there's probably somebody listening that's living with their girlfriend and boyfriend and God's going to show you it's time to move out or it's time to get married. But we're not going to play games with this. And it may be someone who is living with unconfessed sin that continues to haunt you and you can't seem to overcome it. God is going to show you it's time to confess that to God and confess it to people because we're not going to allow that to continue to dwell within our lives. And there may be someone of here who's listening and dating a person that you know is not God's best for you. And you've rationalized it out and you've explained it away. You said, well, I'm going to be a good example to them and it's not a big deal. He's this or she's that and you're going to recognize. No, this is not God honoring and you're going to break up with them today. I mean, I'm sorry I just screwed up your relationship for those of you living, but I saved your life, okay? I'm dead serious. You're going to recognize that this is not God's best. And because you love him and because you respect him, you want to obey him. And you're not going to be in a relationship that is not God honoring. You break up that dating relationship and you move on because God's got something way better for you. 31 flavors of Baskin Robbins. And you've been settling for strawberry, vanilla, and chocolate. Fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. 
Some of you, it's going to be on the positive side. God's been leading you to do something that you haven't done. Because you love him and because you respect him, you're going to move on what he put on your heart. It may be that you're going to start a business that he put on your heart. Start writing that blog that he put on your heart. You're going to mentor somebody. You're going to get involved somewhere in church. You're, you're going to give some way that to somebody that God showed you weeks ago that you should give, and you just didn't do it, but you're going to do it. Why? Because you truly love him, because you respect him, because you love him, and because you respect him, you really do fear him, and because you fear him, and you want to obey him, because the greatest evidence of the fear of God is complete obedience to God. What is the fear of God? It's an ongoing posture of your heart that moves us to the continually over and over and over again. Obey God and do the right thing. Even when it'd be easier to do something else. In a world where customized Christianity is very normal, I want this part of God, but not that part of God. So I say, no, I want all of who you are, God. I want your best. And I thank you, God, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I thank you, God, that the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life and takes us away from the snares of this world. God, I thank you that the Lord brings blessings that only you can bring. God, because of who you are, I want to love you and I will respect you. And because I love you and I respect you, God, in reverend all, I truly do fear you. And because I fear you, I want to obey you. Not because I have to, but because I get to. Because you are that good. You are worthy of totally committed life that I would give you all of who I am because you gave me all of who you are through your son, Jesus. You know, I believe that there are many people listening today who would have kind of have a self-centered version of Christianity. Yeah, keep me out of hell. But God wants more than that. He wants a fully surrendered life to him. Give me all that you have here. I want to give you all that I have here, Jesus. I don't want you just to save me, but I want you to be the Lord of my life, first in every way. There are those of you that God has you listening for this very moment. When you call on him, he will forgive you of your sins that you've ever committed. He will make you brand new. And that's why you're listening today. Not for a self-centered version of Christianity, but for a God-centered, yes, I give you my whole life, Jesus. Save me and be the Lord of my life. I want you to know you and serve you, love you and respect you. And today I surrender my life to you. That's your prayer. Right now that you can just sense the Spirit of God speaking to you. You want to get out of this Christianity that's just a, a version of what God really has for you. You want to stop being a Christian atheist. You believe in God, but you don't live your life even if he, that he exists. And I pray today that this word would speak to you by the Holy Spirit. You may have to go back and listen again even. But I truly believe as we talk about this over the next few weeks, God is going to do something so special. He's going to take you from where you are and move you to the place that you truly desire to be and make you become who he has called you to be and the purpose that he has for your life.
God bless you. We're going to end there. We'll be here next week because I really want to talk, continue to speak on this because I really believe that God wants to open up our heart to something amazing. God bless you. Remember, we can live life in God mode, living a life undefeated and every single way that we face, God has an answer. God bless you and we'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to today's message. You can hear all of Pastor Chris's messages at www.godmode.life. Join us next week as we continue on in this series. Please leave a review of this podcast at podchaser.com.